I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined, as usual, by Keaton DeRocher for episode 211 of the show. Keaton, what's up, my man? Not much. Just enjoying these wins. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hell of a feeling right now. I gotta tell you, like, 
Uh, and before we got on the show, I was saying to Keaton, for all the listeners out there, that you know, um, it's so refreshing to feel like you don't want to get away from the game to come record these things. Because you know, we, we usually record at night, um, so we're usually recording during the game, and like. You have to peel me away from my TV right now to come do these things, even though I have fun doing them. Like, oh, man, it's just such a great feeling after um, 2019 and 2020. 2020, it felt like every day that you watched that team, it was like 8 nothing by the second inning. Yep. It wasn't fun to do a podcast reviewing every game. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> Um, but this is incredibly fun. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff today. Um, we're going to talk about how we got here. We're going to look under the hood at some of the numbers. Um, the numbers are going to be basically heading into the Toronto season that we look at, uh, the Toronto series that we're looking at. Um, so how the hitting's been performing, how the pitching's performing, um, you know, the defense. We're going to look at all these different things going to look at where the Red Sox stand in some power rankings. Uh, and then we're going to get to the the early season superlatives. So the season's obviously been a tremendous amount of fun. We're going to look at uh, offensive players whose performance have impressed us so far, pitchers whose performance have impressed us, defensive players, biggest surprise of the season, good or bad, um, players who we expect to get better, and players whose performance we are not buying as being sustainable. So we're going to look at all those things. But before we get into everything today, Keaton, I just want to kind of rant uh, in a very positive way. Um, I'm having so much fun watching this team. Uh, I have. I'm sitting here like an idiot with a huge smile on my face, <laughs> having to like be peeled away from my TV because I love this team. I love the way that they play. I love the way that they interact with each other. I love that they don't seem to have the ability to quit on any game. Um, they don't seem to give a shit who the pitcher is. You know, they're jumping all over Lucas Giolito. They're hitting taters off of Ryu. I mean, they don't care who is on the mound. It is so refreshing. Devers looks better this year. JD looks a thousand times better. Xander Bogarts is bogey, which is like the most consistent thing you could say about anybody. Verdugo, man. Oh my God, I love Verdugo. I love him so much. I know that I was kind of like an early fan on Verdugo. And when we acquired him, I was like, you know, kind of driving that bus. But now I'm like, I... I feel like I have a ship instead of a bus. You know, I have like a sailor's cap or something and I'm on the Verdugo ship. Uh, I love the way that he plays. I love the energy that he brings to the ballpark every single day. I love the defense. Um, he's quietly become like maybe my, I don't know, he's easily top three for me uh, on this team. I know I'm just talking about the offensive side of, of the ball uh, right now, but... Man, I I'm obsessed with this team. Before we get into anything else, Keaton, like, are you feeling like me here, where you just barely have enough words to express what's going on with this team? I feel great. I don't think I'm anywhere near. You're just kind of on another level right now. <laughs> That's not a bad <laughs> thing. That's like I'm not here to poo-poo how this team's been playing, but um, I have very much enjoyed watching them. And really, I feel like the um, I mean, you pointed out earlier last year by the second inning, it was already like 
eight to nothing. It's hard for an offense to like feel like they can contribute at that point, or why should they when they're already that far back? Um, and so it kind of feels like those those performances like feed off of each other, and good hitching, good pitching, you know, leads to good hitting. Good hitting leads to good pitching, and it's just kind of all working for him right now. Yeah, it really is. Uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, there's so many guys taking steps forward on both sides of the ball. Guys who I didn't expect to get anything out of. Like, who expected anything out of Christian Arroyo this year? Who expected Nate Eovaldi not to only be healthy, but to look the way that he's looked? I mean, we're going to get into so many of these different players, but man, it is just so much freaking fun to watch this team Um the energy that Cora has instilled in this clubhouse is huge. And you know what else has been great, too? Um, because the Red Sox have been doing so well, the announcers are feeding off of this. So anytime you're listening to the broadcast, whether – well, especially if you're listening to TV broadcast. If you're listening to, like, Eck or O'Brien or Remy um, – they're having a ton more fun this year than they did last year. So they're getting into weird stuff. Like Eck is talking about his bronzing routines and, you know, <laughs> they, they're having fun with the, the lights in the studio, not being able to figure out how automatic lights work and dragging some poor woman from Fenway in to like deal with the lights. I mean, I, I don't know, or from the studio to deal with the lights. It's just, it's funny, man. It reminds me of uh, old days with like Ram and Orsillo when they would just, talk about anything yeah i got the other end of that uh yesterday because i had to watch the chicago broadcast because it was blacked out on mm. uh mlb tv and i'm sure the announcers are fine but you know it's always fun to listen to the other broadcast when they're down a whole buttload of runs and they're just trying to fill time it wasn't great <laughs> to listen to but as a Red Sox fan, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's uh, what's what's the German word for that? Is that Schattenfreude, joy in others' miseries? Sure. All right. Well, we'll go with that. Hopefully, I'm right on that. Some somebody won't, you know, tweet me angrily. Um, you will get corrected if you're wrong. So I'm sure I will. <laughs> It'll probably be Brian Joyner to do it. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into it here. Um, after I just really, I'm jumping all over my fandom, but um, yeah. So uh, as we enter this two-game set with the Blue Jays, which you know the first one is going very swimmingly right now, as we jumped over to record in the fifth inning. Uh, Red Sox already lead that one four to one. Not sure if uh, anything else has happened in that game yet, but you know uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, the Red Sox sit in first place in the American League East. They are tied with the Seattle Mariners for the best record in the entire American League at 11-6. and six. However, uh, the Red Sox actually uh, look like this is sustainable. Um, Mariners are off to that crazy start, but we're going to see them at the end of the week. Um, they have a negative two run differential right now. Red Sox are plus 28. That's second only to the world champion L.A. Dodgers. Keaton, I gotta be honest, man. This seems legitimate, very legitimate. Yeah, but is this is this anything other than what we expected? I mean, we spent a whole off season talking about how great this offense was and how they were going to score runs, and the bottom of the order 
is actually going to be kind of interesting now as they roll over to guys like Cordero and Renfro and Bobby Bouncy Balls over there. Uh, up and down the lineup, they've been getting it done. That's been the fun part of it. Uh, there's been games, sure, where the bottom of the order hasn't been great, but then there was also a game where the bottom of the order uh, last week carried them, and they got all the hits and all the runs, and that's not something that like the bottom of the order last year or maybe even in 2019 really could have accomplished. So it's they took a extremely strong core, gave it a lot of fun and upside, and so far it's all working. Yeah, I guess I, I would quibble a little bit with the fact that like we expected this, right? We all expected, I think we were all saying, this is easily a top five offense in the American League. Did I think it was going to be a top three offense in all of baseball? I'm not sure I thought it was going to be that good, honestly, because I wasn't that confident in J.D. Martinez to bounce back. I wasn't that confident in, you know, guys to take steps forward that have taken steps forward. Um, the numbers are kind of startling right now. The team WRC plus for the, for the Red Sox is 128. Dodgers are second at 121. That's a big gap right there. Also, OPS for this team, 818. They're first in hits at 165, and they're first in runs scored. Uh, And as of tonight, during this game, they are now tied with Cleveland for the most home runs in baseball. I wasn't expecting them to lead everything across the board like that. Yeah, okay, I guess, like, across the board, sure. But I still thought this was going to be, like, a top five in baseball offense. That, That part to me isn't surprising. Uh, I definitely thought it was going to be one of the better ones in the American League. But I think it's that length throughout the lineup, though. There isn't an easy out real uh, – well, maybe except for Dahlbuck at the moment. But <laughs> he's had his, his moments. Um, but, yeah, that's – I mean, the offense is, is what we thought it was going to be, maybe even better. And it's it's leading maybe – or hopefully bleeding over to the pitching – and why that has been, you know, as strong as it has been to start. We've gotten some nice, pleasant surprises there. But uh, guys like Xander Bogart hitting 400, that's pretty great to see. Yep, Xander hitting 400, JD leading the league in practically everything. Um, it's it's really nice to see Devers producing tons of power. Um, the guys who we expected to be good are good. The guys who we expected to be good are actually better than good they're playing exceptional right now um it's really good and and you talked about the pitching i think that's the biggest thing that we were worried about headed into this year we broke it down quite a bit last week individually how these guys have been doing but they've really carried that performance through this third week of the season starters era for this team is 4.32 uh which doesn't tell the full story that's 18th best in baseball Uh, This rotation has not been performing like the 18th best rotation in baseball. Um, You know, it was just a few days ago that they were leading the league in starts of at least five innings pitched. Um, That has been huge, the length that they've been getting from their starters. And when you you look at the FIP, which tells a little bit of a different story here for these starting pitchers, uh, the the FIP for this team is 3.44, ninth best in all of baseball. And they've been the eighth most valuable staff in terms of Fangraph's war. Um, I, it feels like this is a much better rotation than 18th to me. Yeah, it does. And I think a big piece of that is just the length that they've been getting and being able to go five innings. It took them like three and a half weeks or something wild like that 
uh, last year to finally have a starter get into the fifth inning. And we talked a lot about how much that affects all of the other pitching. If you have a starter that can only get you know, to the third inning before they need to get yanked, then you're going into your bullpen way earlier. Everybody's roles are getting pushed up. Guys are getting massively overused. So having these starters be able to get five-plus every time they get out there leaves a bullpen fresh, everybody ready to roll, guys to excel in their roles, uh, which is something that we've also talked about a lot for the pitching in general. Um, so it's even the – I mean, the FIP, I think, tells a, a much better story. It definitely feels much closer to top 10 than top 20. Uh, but – it's really, I mean, the length to me is the biggest difference and just being able to rely on a guy to get innings is just a massive difference. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's That's been the biggest thing here is not that, you know, each of these guys' five-inning starts have been incredible by any means, but they're all staying in the game and they're all staying in the game enough to, you know, continue to pitch through five innings into that sixth inning. Uh, sometimes like with Ivaldi, you know, even into part of the seventh inning, um, that's been huge. And, and like you said, Keaton, that has kept this bullpen incredibly fresh, which is why this bullpen is the second best bullpen in all of baseball, according to Fangraph's war right now. Um, you know, second to the Yankees, 1.2 F4, just 0.1 behind the Yankees. Bullpen ERA of 2.91, sixth best in baseball. FIP is second best in baseball at 2.77. Um, I don't think we expected this bullpen to be quite that good. I think we were all like, okay, you know, hard to be worse than last year. This is going to be yeah. better. Uh, we liked Sawamura. We liked Barnes to be better than he was. We loved the addition of Ottavino. Like, we haven't even gotten good Ottavino yet, really. He's been struggling no. a little bit. And yeah. this this bullpen is it's deadly. It With the additions of Whitlock and Andres, man, we talked about them last week, but they just keep showing up. It feels like Andres is pitching every other day and locking everything down. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, and this is kind of where, like, we it had to be better than what it was last year. We expected that. But for it to be this good, I think a big part of that is the starters being able to kind of uh, get deeper into games and so that guys in the bullpen know what their role is. They're being used in what their role is supposed to be, like Andreessen Whitlock. And then Barnes is just having the season of a lifetime right now, which is the perfect time for him to have it. Uh, and that, that, I think, has been kind of, you know, we'll, when we get to our superlatives, talk more about it there. But he's been from the pitching side, probably the biggest surprise to me because I I didn't feel great about him being in the closer role given, you know, the past two seasons that he's had the opportunity. He really hasn't done much with it. Um, was 12 for 24 in save opportunities over the those two years. Was um, surprisingly better last year than it was in 2019, but still wasn't great. Blowing a lot of saves. Had his walk issues get worse in 2020 so I wasn't really sure which direction that was headed but I mean he's doing just absurd things on the mound right now and when he comes in in a one-run game I'm not worried about it which is <laughs> uh a major difference from the past couple years so uh having a guy that you can bring in and just kind of you know he's gonna lock it down just feels so darn good 
and I would like to to see him keep that going. I'm waiting for that point where psychologically I'm going to stop being scarred by past Matt Barnes because right. when he comes into games, I'm like, Ugh. like you know, I still have that kind of shuddering feeling whenever you know he gets behind in the count or can't seem to find it or is struggling. You know, it just uh, he keeps figuring it out this year. It's super weird, but I love it. Uh, and the dude is going to get paid. Someone's going to back up the bricks for that guy. And uh, I'm not him. sure if I want it to be the Red Sox, but that's I don't. A, I mean, it's unless, a story for another day, I suppose. Unless he's like these ratios hold for a, a, the entire year, and he's at like 45 saves, then I feel like I'd be okay with it. But um, I'm expecting at some point a little bit of regression. You know, the Red Sox offense is great; he'll get plenty of save opportunities. But yeah, I would just like to enjoy it and then watch it go somewhere else. Yep, me too. I'd like to give him a, a very uh, thankful handshake uh, as he, you know, helps guide us to another World Series trophy. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about the defense here. We've talked about the pitching. The defense, I got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised when I looked under the hood uh, at where this team has ranked defensively. Because just watching on the field... They've they committed 12 errors leading into uh, today's game against the Blue Jays. They don't have any so far, you know, knock on wood here um, during this game. But I kind of expected the metrics to be a little less kind uh, to the Red Sox. And especially because we talk so much about the defense. But when I looked by team defense, DEF, which is a metric from Fangraphs that ranks a whole bunch of stuff and takes into account ultimate zone rating and stuff like that. Uh, they were ranked 14th in baseball. So sort of a mediocre team. But then UZR 150 had them as the third best defensive team in the game. And that was kind of shocking to me. Does that shock you? No. Let me tell you why. They've been a lot better as of late. And UZR... Um, Ultimate zone rating. I mean, the guys that they have in the field re aren't like really hampered by mobility, so I'd expect their UZR to look pretty good. Um, they started off the season first week. They had a whole bunch of errors, and it looked really bad. And we were kind of talking about, well, are we worried? Should we hit the panic button on the defense? Um, but we kind of figured it was going to get better, and that's kind of what we've seen. Is we've seen it get better. I think given more time, like if you had looked at where they ranked like a week and a half ago or even like a week ago. I bet it was probably like 25th. It was probably even worse. It's gotten a lot better lately, but that was, I think, what I was expecting to happen with the defense because they started off so poorly. And that was not something that we was on our radar at all, really, about um, you know worrying about the defense. And when we talked about it, both you and I were like, oh, yeah, it's week one and we're not worried. That's Especially when we talked about um, Devers' defense in particular on the roundtable and how much a leash we were going to give him. Both you and I were like, fucking plenty. <laughs> yeah, let, all, all let of him, the leash. Right, let him work it out. He'll be fine. Uh, and he's gotten a lot better, uh, which is typically what we see with Devers and the team overall. Their defense has improved. So it's, I'm not surprised that it looks weird at the moment, but I bet as more and more you know defensive opportunities arise, uh, their team defense rank will also rise because they've they've got their stuff figured out. Not something I'm worried about at all. Yeah, and just to put it into a little bit of context, the guys who have been really succeeding with flying colors, uh, Alex Verdugo playing center field has been worth the most 
value of anybody on this team defensively. Um, Hunter Renfro in right field, not surprising. He has a cannon. He makes good reads. Uh, Christian Arroyo at second base has been awesome. Franchi Cordero that one was in surprising. left field. That, w- that was surprising to me a little bit too. Um, but you know what? The more that I watch him play, I actually turned to my wife during the game today and I said, uh, Christian Arroyo has irrational confidence. Like confidence far beyond his station as a baseball player. And I love it. That's why they call him Boss Baby. <laughs> I guess so. Um, but, you know, I was just just the way that he went up and was chatting with Vladdy at first base. I was like, 100% Christian Arroyo thinks he's just as good as Vlad right now. <laughs> <laughs> but good hey, for sure. him. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it up, man. If you keep hitting 300, like, yeah, sure. Irrational confidence. Uh, Christian Arroyo is great. Um, Franchi in left field. I feel like he's actually scary to people in left field. He's been one of the positive guys. Feels like no one wants to run on him. Yeah, I was going to say that was something that surprised me. I mean, I, I'm not, wasn't super familiar with his defensive uh, marks, just other than, you know, he has the speed and, um, you know, his reads are fine, but really didn't have any gauge on his arm. But he's held a couple runners at third which was not what I expected. Like you said, the people are real hesitant to run on him, which has been nice to see. I mean, maybe, you know, I was just going to try and compare their current outfield to the killer bees. That's just not going to happen. That's, <laughs> that might be the best defensive outfield that the Red Sox have ever had in their franchise history. So I'm not, I'm not going to go there, but no. it, it's like similar vibes, like uh, a hit anywhere to the outfield. And your first instinct is someone's going to run it down. And if they don't, then it's usually going to be, well, they're going to hold them a base short of, you know, what they were hoping to get, uh, which has kind of been the situation with the, the exception of uh, Magical's triple the other day. But when a guy with his speed pokes it down the line and right, I mean, we're actually kind of lucky he didn't go all the way around. But yeah, all of the outfield defense, uh, we knew Verdugo was really good, you know, tied for the major league lead in outfield assists last year. Um, Renfro has been a little bit better than advertised, I think. And Cordero has been a little bit underrated defensively as well. Yeah, and it is on the strength of Cordero's arm that the defensive metrics have uh, really appreciated his defense. So, I mean, if if you can do that in left field at Fenway, uh, you're golden. That's that's really it. And he seems to have no issues playing that monster either uh, in the early going. I'm sure there'll be at least some time this year. The monster makes everybody look silly at different points, but... And he seems to be doing pretty well with it. Um, last guy, though, I want to talk about here before we move off of this defense stuff is Rafael Devers because he is currently a 0.5 positive war at third base. Come on, people. Stop freaking out about Devers. The dude is fine. He's doing this on the strength of his range. He makes crazy plays. Sure, do we wish he would lock down all the plays like... Like uh, his 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 buddy Xander Bogarts does, Xander seems to make all of the plays he's supposed to, and then it's the opposite. Like he can't make the exceptional play. Devers is the polar opposite, but you got to think that eventually he's going to settle down, right, and figure this out. Yes, I have all the confidence that he will. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a good defender. I think he gets too much flack over there. And the dude hits the ball like a country mile. So I love it. All right. So moving on here, um, power rankings came out. And, you know, 
power rankings are largely stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, I was really peeved uh, waking up in the middle of the nine-game win streak that the Red Sox had and looking at the power rankings after week two and seeing that the Red Sox were still like in the 20s on most of these rankings. Well, not anymore. Week three came around, the nine-game win streak ended, and everybody was like, oh, I guess we'll, we'll take this team seriously now. Uh, they were top three in basically every ranking around the league. MLB.com has them moved up from 20 to three. Baseball America has them up at two right now. Um, are you happy the league woke up and decided to like put some respect on this Red Sox team? Yeah, but I mean, I don't blame them for where they were before through nine games they had played six against baltimore three against tampa tampa really kind of scuffled to start the season then they had eight games against uh minnesota team who was in first place to start um and the white Sox, who are a very good team and they went five and three against those and i mean that's that was really kind of like the measuring stick to me like yep um if they were able to handle both of those series, which they did, then I was going to feel a lot better about where they're at. And they did, and I do. <laughs> and I yeah. think that um, this series is, even though it's two games, it's a tough one against Toronto because their offense uh, is kind of sneaky good at, at points. Obviously, Vlad Jr. is hitting 390. That's tough out. <laughs> That yeah, I, I don't even think they're sneaky at this point. You just read the yeah. names on that team and you're like, oh, okay, yep, these yeah. guys are really good. Um, figure tonight's game is going to be a really good game and a really tough game uh, because of Ryu, and that's exactly what we've gotten. I mean, it took them until deep into the fifth, right, to finally get some hits, strengthen some things together. Yep. Um, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez has pitched great, though, so you know, I felt like this series, and then um, even though you pointed out how lucky the Mariners are to kind of be in the situation they're in, um, they're right there with the Red Sox, I and mean, we've got a four-game series coming up against them. So they, they this, the season started light, but has rapidly picked up, and as the Red Sox continue to rack up wins, then I become more and more confident in them. And I think after uh, nine games, uh, six of which were against Baltimore, and three of which they got swept by Baltimore, uh, I wouldn't have felt real confident putting them in the top 20. But then after handling Minnesota 3-1, to one, Splitting with the White Sox. Those are two really good teams. So, yeah, yeah I feel a lot better about them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've been Mr. Optimism on this team for for too long now at this point, Keaton. It, it, just, <laughs> it, it feels like a weight off of me to uh, finally see it all coming together here. So, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Um, I was also, though, str- before we get into our superlatives, just strangely excited to see the Blue Jays this year, um, which is part of the reason why I had to pull myself away from the TV tonight. Um, that team is just so exciting. Even without Teoscar and with Lourdes Gurriel playing like dog crap, that's still a super exciting team. Bo and Vlad, man. Those guys are must-see TV. Yeah, they are. All right. Shit. Hit that homer he hit. My God. Yeah, it was a tank. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I thought that thing went about 500 feet, and uh, yep. Bogey's home run from, from the night was 408. That one was only 380, according to StatCast. Um, but as you pointed out, Keaton, 
a 40 degree launch angle on that sucker. Dude hit it basically straight up in the air. Yeah, how that's not a flyout is just <laughs> probably due to Fenway's quirkiness, but yep. um, it definitely made for a much more dramatic looking home run. But it, it was, you know, even though it was against the Red Sox, it was it was kind of fun to watch <laughs> to put a yeah. charge into it. That sucker was majestic. Yeah. All right, so let's get to our early season superlatives here, Keaton. We're going to start off with the first category, a very exciting one. Offensive player whose performance has impressed you most so far this season. Who you got? I get Xander Bogarts, and you may be wondering, well, he's always good, and you're right, he is, but he's even better than his normal self. Uh, and until tonight, um, you know, he didn't have a home run, but he was hitting 400, and the power... Uh, just him trusting in his stroke and knowing that the power was going to come, uh, which thankfully it did tonight. It's really nice to see. Uh, but he was not discouraged by the lack of power so far through the first three weeks and was just collecting an ass ton of hits, which is exactly what we like to see from him. Um, got a steal to go in there too. 24 hits already on the season. He's uh, oh, 1,013 OPS. That's just... He's just so freaking good, and he's just outdoing himself. Yeah, I love him so much. I uh, jumped up from my couch and did an impromptu dance when he hit that three-run <laughs> shot today. Um, and, uh, you know, I my wife was laughing at me when I was doing it. But um, I just knew it was a matter of time. And he's such a ridiculously good hitter now that... There's no one on the team that I feel more confident in in any situation. You know, when he's down 0-2, you're not like, oh, shit, he's on the ropes. You're like, okay, the odds are finally even for this poor pitcher uh, because he's <laughs> such a good two-strike hitter, man. Like, yeah. I, would you really be shocked if, you know, I know it took him like however many games, whatever number tonight is, like 15, 16, 17 games, whatever, to hit his first home run, but like... A dude could go on a run and still finish the season with 30 bombs. It wouldn't shock me at all. Dude's just that kind of hitter. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me either. All right, my guy is J.D. Martinez, and you probably predicted that one of us was going to pick J.D. Martinez. Uh, I have to say it, it is so impressive what he has been doing in the early season because he did struggle so mightily against righties last year. He struggled against everybody. We started to see these struggles in 2019. Um, everything is back to what it's supposed to be right now. And we're seeing him at righties. We're seeing him at lefties. He's actually crushing righties right now, uh, which is huge because most of the league is righties. Exit velocity for him, 93.4 miles an hour, which is the highest that it has ever been. Granted, this is a small season sample. He carried a 93-mile-an-hour average exit velocity through the entire 2018 season. But, like, this is what it looks like. You know, this is this is the type of stuff that we're seeing from him right now. His barrel percentage, 14.9%. That is much closer to what he was doing in 2018, 2017, um, 2016, those years when he was one of the best hitters in all of baseball. So... To me, just what he's been able to do and, and, and prove that he can get back there um, to that level of performance, it just makes me so excited for what this season could mean. And he just seems to be one of these types of players that 
really does need to feel confident against certain types of offerings for him to perform at a high level. Um, And when I watch him too, the other thing just anecdotally is that he doesn't seem to be trying to do too much this year. He's kind of taking whatever the pitcher is giving him. He's totally comfortable, you know, stinging in 111 mile per hour single like he did tonight uh, as he is trying to lift the ball out of the park. So, you know, maybe maybe that comes with the fact that he uh, has other people that he feels can also carry the load with Xander and Devers and, and some of these other guys who are clicking in the offense. But he just looks so much more comfortable than he normally has the last couple seasons. And and I didn't I wasn't confident that he could rewind the clock and, and get back to this. No, and I mean what stood out to me is just how easy it looks. Like and it's probably part of the confidence piece too, but like you pointed out, he's using the entire field, wherever the ball is pitched, he's just putting the bat on the ball and letting what happens happens. And normally when that's with JD Martinez, when he puts the bat on the ball, good things happen. That's exactly what's been happening. Real quick, though, because I was trying to pull it up as you started talking about it, but I didn't get to it quick enough. If you had to guess what Sander Bogart's batting average in 0-2 counts this year is, what would you guess? Oh, 478. That is really high. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's still really darn good, though. It's 364. That is ridiculous. And actually, at every point that he's uh, behind in the count, uh, at 0 and 1, he's hitting 433. At 1 and 2, he's hitting 353. And at 0 and 2, he's hitting 364. Like, getting ahead of Xander Bogarts isn't helping any pitcher this year. Like, it's actually kind of making things worse. <laughs> I mean, I got to imagine that that is, if not the best mark in the entire league, up there, like top five in terms of performance 0 2. It's just, you're not supposed to do that, man. No. Nope. But I love it. I really, really, really love it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, let's get to our pitcher here. Um, so pitcher that uh, whose performance you are most impressed by in the early season. Who's your guy? Garrett Whitlock, who had to be picked by one of us for this. Yep. Um, not only just the stuff, like not walking anybody, missing a whole bunch of bats, but how he's been utilized. Like he's been utilized um, in a long relief role to bail some guys out. He finished off Evaldi's game the other night, was a third of an out away from getting a save because Evaldi just had to get that first out in the seventh. So uh, 
So close. So close. Uh, but the versatility that he's been used with and just having success in every single role that he's put into. And, um, you know, this is a guy that we talked about when they got him in the Rule 5 draft and we were just kind of like, sure, why not? And we'll see what happens. But uh, through spring training, we both got really excited about him. Um, and it's always, um, you know, a bit of a hesitancy to put the Andrew Miller label on a guy. But uh, Whitlock and even Andres, to an extent, um, they have two guys that have been effectively filling that role. Um, they've had guys in the past uh, where they've tried to work that role uh, and it's worked for like a period of time, but eventually just kind of fails out. But it feels like both of these guys uh, can be thrown into a game in any situation and they'll get the outs that they need to. Like uh, Whitlock did allow uh, one inherited runner to score in Evaldi, on Evaldi's night there, but he, I believe, inherited like first and third. So that wasn't an ideal situation for him to come in, not a clean inning, but was still able to minimize the damage, get out of it, and then finish the game, which is really yeah, impressive. That was by no means his fault either. I mean, he got a ground ball exactly like he was supposed to. That run was going to score basically, right? you know, unless something miraculous happened. But yeah, I totally agree with you, man. The, the stuff that we are seeing from Whitlock is beyond what anybody expected. Um, certainly beyond what the Yankees expected. I mean, they didn't know what to... I have a little bit of trouble blaming them, but I will because they're the Yankees yeah. and I hate the, them. The best bullpen in baseball. It's hard for you know, to be like, <laughs> well, he was the odd man out. Like, I can't get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and also, like, with the COVID situation and him coming back from Tommy John, we didn't know what Whitlock was going to look like. Um, but we knew that this stuff was intriguing and, and it's paid off wonderfully. Um I don't actually think I'd be surprised if by June, July, uh, he is your fifth starter. I could see it. Hmm. I mean, I could see it. I think I'd still be surprised because they actually have other options for that, which is not something that I kind of expected them to have. But, like, Sale coming back at that around that same moment you're talking about in July uh, means that two guys would have to get the boot. And that seems difficult to make room for him there. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, It's just, you know, you have a guy who throws that many strikes and induces that many ground balls and just has that heavy of a ball. Um, it's just hard not to want to see more of him um, because when he comes in, it's just complete shutdown. No one has looked like they've had a chance against him this year. Uh, I, and even, I completely agree. But yeah. I think what, basically what it would come down to is like, where are you getting the most value from him? Like, does right. it make sense to flip him in Perez and then use Perez in the bullpen, even though he may not yeah. be as successful as Whitlock was in the bullpen or keep Whitlock there to basically just keep bailing Perez and Pavetta out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, It's tough. You know, if you're a first place club like they are and everything is rolling to this degree, it's probably tough to switch around roles like that. It's just so juicy to think about getting more Whitlock <laughs> than yeah. we are. Although having Andres be able to do the same thing might make it more tempting because it's sure. not like you'd be pulling that role out of the bullpen altogether because you have another guy who can do it. Yeah, especially, too, the other option is 
add Hauk to fill in the Whitlock role as well. You know, that's another yeah. potential possibility for down the road. But, um, you know, ridiculously good problems to have. These are not 2020 problems, that's for sure. No. <laughs> um, my guy is Nate Eovaldi, who we just saw pitch his, you know, maybe his best start of the year. I, I think it's up there. Um, 10 punch outs in his last start. But the the thing that's been so impressive about Nadia Valdi to me is just the sheer number of pitches that he's thrown. He's always been one of these guys that kind of had the kitchen sink. He had four pitches last year, four seam cutter, curveball split. Um, this year he's added in a slider to that mix as well, and he's been getting a really substantial whiff percentage, 47.8%, uh, the highest of any of his pitches on that slider. Uh, the pitch does get hit hard a little bit when when it when people make contact with it but that's just it like it's a good enough pitch that a lot of guys aren't making contact with it so it just gives him another strikeout weapon and it feels like that's been one of the things that had been missing uh from Nate Eovaldi's repertoire was just that that one pitch that could really get guys out the curveball and split were good for him in that regard um but I think that they could uh, hang in the zone a little bit more uh, at, at times. And when he didn't have a feel for them, they weren't the best offerings. Um, and, and now that he has all of these different things to go to, uh, he seems to be confident throwing this pitch to both righties and lefties as well, although he's throwing it much more uh, to, to right-handed batters than he is lefties. He's only thrown it five times to lefties. Um, but it just gives him another weapon, which is huge. He's already got a couple strikeouts on the pitch this year. Um, but yeah, the, the velo for him is usually great, still great this year. I'm just loving the confidence that he's throwing with, um, the command for Eovaldi has been spot on usually is. So that's not a shock, but I don't know. It just, it feels like this is the best version of Nate that we've seen since 2018 second half. Oh, for sure. And him being able to maintain 98, like, through to the sixth inning and the seventh inning just makes it that much more devastating. And, like, his ability to get through the third time in the order and not get demolished is huge. And that has been a big difference between what we've seen good of all the and bad of all these, him being able to get through the third time in the order and get deeper into a game. Um, Because even if he's, like, we had he had a history in... Um, with the Red Sox even, of like being real solid through four and then getting ripped. And him being able to put a solid start together from start to finish now for um, you know, the the finishing of 2020 and uh, now here in 2021. Good things. It's just maintaining the hope that he'll stay healthy and we'll be able to see Nate be himself for an entire season. Yeah, and for what it's worth too, man, like the the advanced metrics are backing up everything that he's doing. He does have a 3.04 ERA on the season, um, but his ex-ERA is 2.14. So he's absolutely deserving of the type of results that he's getting. He, he could even You could even say he's getting a little bit unlucky uh, based on how good he's pitched so far. Indeed. All right, defensive player whose performance has impressed you so far. Keaton, who are you going with? Yeah, I went with someone who you touched on already, um, but Hunter Renfro. 
Um, I would have picked Alex Verdugo, but that was who you picked. Uh, Hunter Renfro was actually leading uh, the Red Sox in UZR at 1.1, which is pretty nice. I didn't expect poor uh, defense from Renfro, but I didn't expect it to be as good as it has been, which is nice. I mean, he has a cannon. He takes good routes. Um, his defensive run saved is second on the team currently um, to Christian Royo and Frenchie Cordero, surprisingly. Um, tie for second on the team behind those two guys. It's just been really, really solid and above what my expectations were. Yeah, completely agree. Um, his, his reads have been great. His his arm's been great. Um, he's lived up to the expectations there in the field. Hopefully that will start to carry over to the plate because he's looked lost at the plate. But, you know, defensively, I haven't had any issues whatsoever no. uh, with him. Um, as you alluded to, Keaton, I did pick Alex Verdugo, who's just been incredible, um, you know, all over the place. I, I love his swing. I know that we're talking about the defense, but man, I just, I cannot say enough good things about Alex Verdugo, the player and the energy that he brings. And you always see him talking, talking, hitting, and then he has the best catch of the year, that catch out in left field to win the game. Um, and left field's been his worst position defensively. I mean, he's played it less than any of the other positions, but he's been best in center field. He's been pretty good in right, and he's been... He made a game-winning catch and left. I mean, the dude was just... He's versatile. He brings firecracker energy. He makes good reads. I just... I don't have any issues with him. He seems to have a pretty damn good arm, too. Um, I don't know. It's 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 probably not a Renfro arm, but it's not that far behind. It's, it's good. So, I don't know what, what else I can say other than just, like, going out and buying a Verdugo jersey because... He is basically the man. Love him. Love him. How do you feel about Verdugo? We haven't really talked about like how you feel about him in terms of as a player. I do enjoy him quite a bit. Does he rank in the top five on the team for you? Yeah. Where would you put him? Uh, Bogart's Endeavors. Um, I don't. Yeah, he could be third. I think. Yeah. I mean, I was excited for me right now behind Bogey. That see that part is surprising to me because I know you love your boy Devers. I love him. You do. Um, I mean, when when we talked about the acquisition, I was excited about it because um, he was a top prospect. He had showed the ability with the Dodgers before he had a back injury. Um, to steal double-digit bags, double-digit homers, and hit for average, uh, which is covering a lot of bases. And it was just unfortunate how he was acquired because he'll always be compared to Mookie Betts, which is just really unfair to him. But um, we were both excited about it and figured that probably the Red Sox nation would come around after Sting had worn off a bit. Uh, and particularly last year, um, where he's just making all sorts of defensive plays. Uh, that part we weren't really expecting from his game. Um, he had been talked up as like a hit first offensive prospect, but him basically turning the defense into well above average was unexpected and very nice to see. Yeah. And, and you know, he's the type of personality that I think that when he first gets to know guys, I, 
I would bet that a lot of people find him annoying because he is very loud and sort of has this really high kind of busy energy, but it seems genuine, you know, and that's the part of his game that I love and that kind of reminds me of Devers' game is just the infectious energy in the way that he seems to enjoy the game. Uh, he seems to even get a little less frustrated with it than Devers does, who's incredibly hard on himself. Um, but it seems like he's always out there talking to fellow players about how he can get better at the plate, how he can get better in the field, you know, how they can carry their energy out on the field. It, it You know, winning is just clearly important to him. And he he's like that most enthusiastic kid on your Little League team. Um, except in the big leagues. And I, I just think that that matters so much for a team's success. And clearly he's way more comfortable this year than he was last year. And and who could be a better personality to, to be that guy to replace Mookie Betts? I don't think there are very many people who could comfortably do that the way that he has. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, like you said, the circumstances of him being traded for Mookie Betts and then all of 2020 the way that the season went um, with it being delayed at first. And then um, I think he missed the first week because he was still uh, dealing with his injury, uh, back injury. Um, so we had to wait a bit to see him. And then by the time he was on the field, no one gave a crap what the Red Sox were doing because it was just so horrible to watch. That <laughs> This is this might be like the first introduction of a lot of folks to Alex Verdugo, and he's yeah. killing it. Yeah, it's a damn good one. Good impression, that's for sure. All right, who is your biggest surprise of the early season, Keaton, whether that be good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I already alluded to it, but it's Matt Barnes. And I don't think I need to rehash everything I said, but I didn't feel great about him being in the closer role coming into the season, and I feel like a complete 180 about it now. And him... Like, his strikeout rate is, like, Chapman-esque right now at <laughs> 17K per nine. Like, that that's absurd. That's yep. just so absurd. And the fact that he's not walking anybody um, is just great to see because that's been our biggest issue with him is walks getting out of hand. Like, he, I mean, he's he's had the, the strikeout ability, um, you know, it amped up a notch this year, but he was typically, like, 12 to 14 K per nine, which for a reliever uh, is really good. That's kind of where you want your elite relievers to be in. And he's kind of like a level above that now, which is just wild to think. Uh, and how it's combined with his not walking anybody has made him, I mean, like he's one of the very few shut down back end relievers in the game right now. And I, based on his past results, I'm a little bit skeptical of it continuing just because of, um, the issues with the walks are not minor. Um, and it feels like maybe like this is so out of character. I'm waiting for it to regress, but the more he goes out there and finishes off games by like striking out the side, and not walking anybody, it's hard not to believe in being reality. Yep. You, you know, you can only do this for so long before you have to start believing that there's some real change here, uh, being made by Matt Barnes. And, you know, I hope that, walkier Matt Barnes continues um, because what a weapon it would be uh, for the entire season. But I agree with you. That's probably one of the most shocking things for me. I went with uh, Franchi Cordero in a good way. Um, the big standout to me 
just because I wasn't very familiar with the player. Uh, he's a West Coast guy playing for San Diego and then played for the Royals and, you know, just teams that I didn't really watch a whole lot. Um, and Franchi, I knew that he was toolsy. Uh, he's impressed from that regard, but, like, we haven't seen big moonshot home runs or anything like that. What we've seen is smart athletic plays uh, in the field. We've seen pinch hit performances that have been great. Um, we haven't seen him try to get too big, and that's the thing that I've been really excited about with Franchi is just that uh, his approach at the plate has been far beyond what I thought he was going to be billed as. He was kind of billed as this Hunter Renfro type guy, like Renfro 2.0, um, but just with more injuries. And what I've seen is that he's just far more advanced as a hitter than than a guy like Renfro is. And that's not to knock Renfro. I mean, we need guys with good defense and gobs of power, but there just seems to be a little bit more of an approach there. So I'm looking to see him get into his power a little bit more. I don't think he's quite comfortable at the plate, but even – without being fully comfortable and being fully the best version of himself yet, he's been a productive member of this team. And, you know, I like the fact that you don't need to rely on him solely to get a home run, that he, he does have the ability to make some contact. That's it's huge. Yeah. I think, um, he's been a surprise because I do feel like he's a little bit more well-rounded than he was pitched. Like I agree with the Hunter Renfro like kind of thing, but uh, he strikes out way more than Hunter Renfro, and that piece, um, you know, the last time I think we we talked about this exact same thing a week ago, and how uh, Franchi had been a nice little surprise. He was hitting I think three thirty three uh, at that point, still with strikeouts over forty percent. Now he's down to two seventy a week later. Um, maybe he's still kind of working things out because he's he's almost to the point where he's played. Um, the most games that he's played in his career in one season. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So it's like 40 is the most that he's ever, he's ever, he's been at. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> and um, he's at 14 right now, which is like the third most he's ever played in his uh, five seasons. So it's, I mean... I want to see what he can put together getting like even just 300 plate appearances because he's never come close to that. Um, and maybe it's just a bunch of small sample things. And given the, um, you know, we see a lot of guys in the minors where it takes them however many games to finally figure out the level as they advance, but they've eventually just figured it out. Maybe that's the case with him and why he's been billed as like a top prospect with exciting powers. Cause eventually he figures it out. And he just hasn't been given enough time to do that at the major league level. But the strikeouts just really concern me. It's like we talk about how we're worried about it with Tavis and Dalbuck, and like Franchise is worse. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, it's a it's a little concerning. But again, it's like we've never actually seen him given a chance. So like, is it just all small sample size stuff? And then he figures it out. Yeah, that's just how it feels to me anecdotally, you know, like I, yeah, I didn't even look at the numbers with him because I just feel like he hasn't gotten into his stride yet. And even without doing that, he's been 
making positive plays on the field. And I know that, you know, there's been a lot of empty spots at the plate, as you pointed out too, but there's, there's just, it, there just feels like there's more there. So that's, that's what I'm hoping for moving forward. But, you know, you definitely make great points about Cordero. It wouldn't shock me if, you know, Duran, who hit two jacks at the alternate site yesterday, uh, comes up to replace one of these two guys, Hunter Renfro or Cordero, if they are still struggling by like June, July. I might most be sooner than that. Like Duran might force their hand real quick. <laughs> yeah, dude's nasty, so I could see it. Um, all right, so let's move on. We have two more of these categories left before we get to some listener questions. Uh, who do you expect to be better? Garrett later Richards. On in the season. I'm sure that's a shock. Okay. Tell me why. I know you did a little bit of a deep dive on Garrett Richards. We'll get to it now. Yeah. So um, so that, I mean, what piqued my interest in that, other than just I'm a general Garrett Richards enthusiast, is uh, we talked about him on the last podcast a week ago, and you had mentioned thinking that perhaps he's hurt or still dealing with mechanical issues from spring training. So I was curious, hey, is that true? Uh, and the telltale sign that your mechanics are jacked or that you are injured and trying to pitch through it is your spin rates. So I took a look at good old Mr. Garrett's spin rates. Uh, and in his first start, where he was shelled, they were significantly lower than his career average marks. However, in his last two starts, where he's gone 10 innings and allowed only two earned runs, they are up significantly, which tells me two things. One, we still haven't seen the best of Garrett Richards, which, um, as he pitches uh, today as you're listening to this, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, and two, that he probably was still dealing with mechanical issues, probably not an injury, but was still dealing with something in his first start where he was just biffed uh, mm-hmm. and working through it. His fastball... Specifically, his four-seam fastball was down 300 RPM in his first start to his second start. That is That's just a huge. massive drop. Yeah. Yeah, and he was getting absolutely rocked. The other piece to this that stands out when you're uh, you know, looking at his stats is he's walking more than he ever has at any point. The only other time his walk rate has been this high was in 2019 where he pitched eight innings and then required Tommy John surgery. So hoping that there wasn't an indicator there. But really what I saw was in his pitch mix, uh, he's throwing his fastball far more often um, than he has at any point in his career. And a lot of that could have been due to that first start uh, where it was short, but it was getting ripped because uh, when you don't have a feel for anything else, you tend to just rely on fastballs. Uh, Major League hitters uh, hitting non-optimal fastballs uh, tends to do a lot of damage, which is what we saw. So yeah. maybe there's we, we need to see more from him um, before we kind of dig deeper into the walks. But what they've shown so far is that he's being basically too predictable when he goes out of the zone because his O swing percentage is down about 12% to his career average and his zone swing percentage is up about 12%. So guys are just sitting on his fastball waiting for it to be in the zone and then trying to hit it, uh, which they did. Very easily in his first start. Much more difficult in his next two starts, although he did still did struggle with walks in those starts. Um, but the stuff is still kind of improving from whatever issue it was he was dealing with 
in spring training. And it definitely seemed like it was there in his first outing. But seeing his uh, spin rates continue to increase with every start so far through these first three starts makes me feel like he's worked through them. uh, And the best of Red Sox version of Garrett Richards is still to come. Yeah, I'm enthusiastic, too. He's got such a strong track record um, in his slider, which has been not an impressive pitch for him in the early going, is basically always a good pitch for him. Uh, so I expect him to get a better feel for that pitch, and especially as it gets a little bit warmer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Garrett Richards. Um, my guy is Bobby Dahlbeck, who I think has been getting uh, some some really bad luck lately. Um, he's certainly not performing up to expectations, that's for sure. He's batting 214 with just a 310 slugging percentage. You cannot have a 310 slugging percentage if you are Bobby Dahlbeck. There are a few positive things to look at, though. And last year, he had the eight home runs in just 23 games, uh, and he had the isolated power of 338. Now, uh, that was a 600 slugging percentage, so about double what he's doing right now. But a couple positive things that we can take away from, from his early season performance. Uh, first of all, he had a 42.4% K percentage last year. That is down to 37. That is a small margin when we're talking about numbers that high. But I think that it is important to see that continue to go down. Uh, the other thing, his WOBA right now, it's 267. It was 400 uh, last year. But his expected Woba last year was 356. His expected Woba this year is 411. Far better than what he's doing right now. And if we look at his average exit velocities, his max exit velocities, his hard hit, all that stuff, X batting average, all of that stuff is through the roof compared to his actual numbers right now. So he's actually making pretty damn good contact. Uh, he's just not getting the results. So I think that Bobby Dahlbeck is going to continue to improve and get better. His XBA right now was is actually 308, which is far better than what we're seeing from him. Um, and I just feel like he's starting to become more confident too. Uh, Jerry Remy made a big deal about this. I, I don't know if you were watching the game when, when Rem made the, the big deal about this, but he had the two opposite field hits uh, out to right field that were kind of stung. But before he had those two hits, um, I think those were against the Twins. Yeah, it was. I think it was the game that was kind of snowing out there. Um, Remy had, had seen Cora's interactions with him in the dugout, and Cora was basically saying, like, hey, keep doing exactly what you're doing, and kind of pumping him up and, and, and telling him not to change his approach. Um, because with a guy like Bobby, I think his approach and the amount of contact that he's making are far more important than actively going out there and trying to hit the ball hard because he's so strong that when he does connect, it's going to go a long way. And, and I just feel like there's there's something coming here with Bobby Dahlbeck. And we kind of saw a glimpse of that tonight uh, when he hit one out to the triangle about 410 feet or whatever. Uh, that was an absolute poke from Dahlbeck. I think we're going to start seeing that. He's the type of guy that just does not need to actually get into it for the ball to fly out of the park. I fully expect 30-plus home runs still this season, even despite the early season struggles. I mean, he certainly has the easy power to do it. And I think what gives me 
little bit of confidence in him too is in spring training, most of his home runs were opposite field home runs too. So he has the ability to just use the entire park to his advantage. And I think he just needs to stay true to his approach and do that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, last category here before we move to listener questions. Uh, whose early season performance are you not buying? Uh, Nick Pavetta, who we got, um, I believe, a couple of listener questions about it, too. So we'll talk about it again when we get to those. But he has been better than expected. However, um, like his career numbers to this date aren't really great. So it's, it's really not that difficult. Um, his uh, talking about expected stats. His current ERA is 3.68, which looks pretty nice. He's got a couple wins under his belt and you know, 14 innings pitched. However, he is like these walks are killing him, and his expected ERA is 5.53, which is basically in line with what he's done the past two seasons, which is not be a good pitcher. Um, these walks, though, are n- kind of new. Uh, they really haven't been um, – I mean, for a starter, having a walk per nine of – just shy of four isn't all that unsurprising. Uh, however, right now it's just shy of seven. <laughs> he's almost walked as many as he's struck out so far. Um, that's not great. That's going to come back to bite him. I don't think he has the stuff to consistently work around that. Um, his strand rate has been the highest of his career at like 80% right now. And that, that just seems doomed to fail. Um, especially with the amount of guys that he's walking. I mean, he's been able to limit the long ball and not give up home runs, which have just killed him in the past. But with the amount of, um, you know, free passes and chances to these hitters that he's allowing, it just seems like it's, we're not far away from him imploding in, you know, a string of starts together. So while on the, on the face value, it looks nice Two wins, 3.68 ERA, Everything that's underlying just, you know, even his strikeouts are down, which is really kind of like as he was billed as like a potential, you know, two starter coming up from the minors. The strikeouts are really kind of in his calling card. They're down almost to the lowest of his career uh, at this point. So it's just, it seems like he's playing with fire. Yep, completely agree. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we picked the, uh, similar guys here for this one. And I, I agree with you. The, the Pavetta experience has felt like walking the tightrope. Um, for me, I picked Darwin's and Hernandez here. Uh, his K per nine is nine. His walks per nine is also nine. Uh, you don't want those <laughs> numbers to be the same. Um, his left on base percentage, 90.9%, uh, which is not, you know, completely unusual for an elite reliever, but, um, He's not that good uh, to to have that mark. Uh, so Darwinson, it just comes down to the fact that he walks too many guys still. I don't feel confident in his ability to locate yet. Um, the stuff is still enticing, but it's it's hard for me to think that Cora is going to really, really want to lean on him when it comes to those key situations if he continues to battle these control problems. And unfortunately, every time I've seen him, he has been. Uh, his XERA is 5.43. His real ERA is 1.5. Uh, so those numbers are extremely different, much in the same way as Pavetta. So I'm not going to echo that, but, you know, dealing with the exact same things, I think it's pretty clear we both hate people who, uh, or hate pitchers who put themselves in these situations by walking too many guys. 
not that we hate them individually. They're they're probably both <laughs> fine guys, but uh, exactly, you know, it's not not the skill set we're looking for out of the out of the bullpen or out of the rotation. All right, uh, we hope you enjoyed those superlatives. We're going to move on to our questions now. Uh, we have our first question from a great big lark uh, who asks a Pavetta question. He says, on the surface, it feels like Pavetta is much better pitcher than expected. Yes, he has some good luck here and there, but overall, his pitches look much better than anticipated. If he cuts down on the walks, do you think he can continue to exceed expectations? I think he kind of he, he nailed it here with if he does cut down on the walks, yes, the stuff is good. Uh, the stuff has always been good. And in fact, this fastball has looked a lot better this year. It just... Cutting down on the walks is one of those things, and I read a fantastic article on Baseball America, uh, this this month's issue of Baseball America, uh, talking about how command is just one of those things that the more scouts look at it, the more they feel like it's a, a bit more innate. You know, it, it seems like one of those things that uh, doesn't always come. You know, it's, it's rare for it to come on late the same way that it did with Randy Johnson and, and Max Scherzer and guys like that. So usually if you don't have it, you never really get it. And if you don't have it to a huge degree, it's, it's harder to add than it is to add stuff. You know, you can add velo, you can add shape to your pitches but it's really friggin hard to add command so that's why i'm not going to be holding my breath for pavetta yep completely agree all right our friend nick zanaboni has the next question he says uh way too early grades uh for the new additions he gives andres a b kike a b marwin a b minus hunter renfro a c minus franchi a b pavetta a b plus Richards a C, Ottavino a C, and Sawamura an A minus. Uh, how would you grade these guys, Keaton? I would actually agree with all of them except uh, Pavetta's. I would give him a C. Pavetta's the walks are, or yeah, walks are just too much. But Richards, um, I expect him to be better. But so far, he's hasn't been there. Same with Ottavino. Sawamura has been great. Franchi's been great. Marwin, Kike, Andres all been great. Renfro has been great in the field. Need to see more from him. I think those, yeah. Pavetta is the only one I really disagree with there, and I, w- I would make his worst and say a C. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on Pavetta. Uh, I would give Andres an A minus, though. I would up him from a B, and I would give Marwin a B or a B plus because I think his ability to play all over the field has been an absolute game changer for the way that Cora manages. So, a little bit more aggressive on him. Uh, Norm has our next question. He says, how undefeated would the Sox be if Alfredo Aceves was on the team? Are we talking undefeated, <laughs> undefeated, or just undefeated? They'd definitely be undefeated. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no question. Good one there. I like that. Uh, Angel Rondon says, predict uh, what our rotation will be with Sale returning and Hauk looming in the minors. Uh, I think Pavetta's is the guy that we both think would go, right? And Perez, because, I mean, if Hout continues to pitch well and Perez is still at, like, a 6 ERA, um, I don't know how you can't make that switch. I mean, I guess I, I understand the way you, that you couldn't being that, like, you can't send Perez down. He'd have to go into the bullpen. Um, right. Or they would just have to release him, um, which I guess maybe wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility there. But I don't think they they want to lose him entirely from the roster. Um, but those are the two, like, yeah, when Sale comes back, Pavetta's gone. And if Howe continues to pitch well in his absence, then 